Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. You want to talk about how to make openings evocative? You mean like asking a question before the music of the show starts? Mm-hmm. And welcome to Pandas Talking Games. I am your host, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And tonight's topic is kind of a rare one. We picked it out ourselves. Dun, dun, dun. It's crazy. Like, we went down the topic aisle store, and we just went wandering through the shelves, and we just picked one out instead of taking what the conveyor belt brought to us. It's crazy. So, tonight, we are going to talk about evocative openings to games. Which goes hand in hand with our actual play tonight, where we start our legacy weapon campaign, The Chronicles of the Raven's Eye. Ooh, you came up with a really good name for it. Thanks. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. It's very epic. Just wait till you hear the music that goes with it. Right? (laughs) It's going to be great. Anyway, so Phil, what do we need to know about evocative openings? Right. So let's do a quick definition. We're actually going to do a quick, we're going to do a quick run through this, but quick definition, opening, the starting of a campaign, story, session, or scene, right? We like, somehow we have to know when to start. Um, and that is usually, and that is that is done through the opening, and the opening is what often sets the tone of the scene, right? We use the opening to kind of get everybody um, into the same imaginative, shared imaginative space. It's often set by the GM if you're playing a GM game, but um, it can be it can be delegated to a player. GM can easily delegate to a player, or if you're playing a game, um, a cooperative game without a GM, then it's usually passed around that like somebody will open the scene. Okay, so a good opening, um, regardless of who starts it, a good a good opening creates interest and an emotional reaction in the players. Um, this creates a focus. So everybody starts paying attention to the scene uh, and it draws everybody into the scene, which is what we need to have really good role play um, is we need to kind of all get focused into our imaginative space and start, you know, being drawn in, wanting to do stuff. And the opening is the way that that all begins. So we look to movies for different types of openings. And uh, here are a few, right? Because there's a lot of different ways to open up uh, scenes or campaigns, things like that. But I just picked, I cherry picked a few that I thought um, were good. And they're often ones that I use for my own bag of tricks. So uh, the first one is scene setting. The opening describes a scene, like narratively describes a scene and like kind of talks about like what's going on, on or around the PCs, right? On them? <laughs> On the PCs? I mean, that would be especially interesting. So that would be something like, it's morning in the town, um, and we see the sun starting to rise, and a raven flies in front of it as people begin their morning routines. So there's, you know, sounds of hustle and bustle and water splashing into the road. And you are just riding into town after a long night, and you've just been riding all night long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that's that's uh, that gives us a good picture of what's going on, right? And then kind of like opens up our scene for us. Uh, the next one is in media res, which is right in the middle of the action. Yeah, so that's when you start with like the giant orc in front of you swings his axe right past your head and you hear it whistle past your ear and three of his companions begin to draw their weapons behind him. Right. Like that's the opening. Like, like we're in, right? Like we're in. What do you do? <laughs> exactly. I, I'm a huge fan of in media res openings. That's that's one of my favorite techniques. I love them for one shots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love like starting a one shot with, uh, okay, everyone roll for initiative. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's that always is, yeah. a good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is the question. And this is um, this is one uh, often when you're deferring, like when you're a GM and you're deferring the opening to a player you'll use the question to kind of prompt the player into how to open up the scene right so this would be something like um so how does lily wake up and who from last night is with her in bed yeah see like so that does two things right so like it it by default sets some tone right like we know lily's waking up um, mm-hmm. And how Lily wakes up will kind of set the like the first beat of the that scene, but we also put in there a uh, pointed question, right? We put yeah, in a leading a, question, a leading question, which we have talked about before. Yep, we put in we 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 stuck a leading question onto it and implied that Lily is in bed with somebody. Yep. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. which for Lily is standard, not that uncommon. Okay. Uh, A strong opening is one that draws the PCs into the action quickly and gets the story moving. Right. So, for instance, our last two examples, the in media res and the question, those are hard openings. They start very quickly and we know like right where that scene has to go. Maybe not in the long term, but in the short term, there's something we have to do reactively very quickly. Absolutely. A soft opening is one that does not evoke an immediate reaction from the PCs. Right. So that kind of requires the scene to go along a little bit more and unfold a little bit more until we understand what the stakes and what the actual opposition in the scene is so that the PCs understand what they should do. So that would be like in our first opening It's not really clear what the characters should do. They're arriving into town. We have a very strong narrative opening. Like we have a good like emotional feeling of like what it looks like and feels like and that sort of thing. But what what are they like? What what immediate action do they need to take? Unclear. Right. So like if we wanted to flip that around a little, like we could have them come into town and like as they're just entering the, you know, town, like just as they're entering the like main part of town, like a body falls out a window and lands in front of them with like a dagger stuck through its chest. Yeah. And then suddenly they have something to do, right? <laughs> right. But if Especially not, if that's the person they came to town to talk to. Sure. Like, and, and because without it, like, all we know is like the players have come to town. We don't really know. Like, and now we wind up having a discussion like, okay, well, what are you doing? And then, like the players are like, I don't know. Is there a saloon? Right. Like, like, like I'm going to go to the bar. And right. I want to go check out the magic shop and I'm going to go to the armor and get my weapons upgraded. Yep. And that's a soft opening, right? Soft opening leaves us with a, la- a little lack of clarity of where we're going. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, in, any, in nearly all cases, our recommendation is when you can go with a strong opening. It spurs the game into action faster. It captures the attention of the table. 
and it gets the game moving in, you know, in a direction. Even if that direction yes. changes in a few beats, at it's least fine. we're off and running. Yep. Okay. So for tonight, uh, we are ready to start our actual play of the legacy weapon. Uh, so our we're about to open the campaign, the first story in the campaign, uh-huh. and our session for tonight. Yes. Right? Like this one, like this is the one that opens all of them. Everything. Right? Yep. Are, are, are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to okay. put in some music here. Cool. And uh, do you have your character? Yes, I do. Okay. And do you have the legacy weapon? Yes, I do. And some dice. Awesome. Okay, really quick before we jump into the actual the actual play part, can you very quickly summarize for us your character and yes. just briefly the high level stuff about the weapon? Right. So really quickly, um, I am going to be playing Anadara Blackwing. She is a uh, a paladin, a lawful paladin. Um, she is hunting for a criminal. That is her quest, and she is honor bound. Um, meaning she is forbidden from using cowardly tactics and tricks. She's sort of a wiry, uh, bald woman wearing kind of flowy, flowy robe type things that are gathered and attached to her in by where her armor is basically cinching them on, right? Cool. Cool. That's pretty much her. Okay. Awesome. And just a little bit about, um, just a little bit about the weapon. Uh-huh. Oh, Just as sorry. a reminder. A quick thing of the weapon. So the, the weapon is a rapier forged from a single piece of steel. And its basket is woven of feathers with a um, black orb gemstone in the hilt. Awesome. All right. I have my notebook open to jot some notes. And I have the Legacy Weapon uh, Adventure, which is the adventure we're going to run is called Alone. Uh, which comes with a legacy weapon. So if people purchase a legacy weapon, you actually can read this adventure. And uh, I think we're gonna. I think we're ready to begin. So Anadara, you have been. You have been chasing after a criminal by the name of of Morden Kellon. I'm writing this down, listeners. Uh huh. So Morden Kellon um, defiled uh, a shrine to your god uh, and took some took some items from the shrine. In particular, took took this wrought iron raven's feather. A priest from your priest from your order dispatched you to find Morden and get this and get this feather back. And you've been tracking Morden for a few weeks, and everywhere Morden goes, like he has caused some sort of trouble or crime. And you finally get to this small town, far from any of the major cities, called Beggar's Hole. And he had spent some time in Beggar's Hole uh, and then left just a couple days before you arrive. So when you arrive in Beggar's Hole, the town is like outraged at Morden. What crime did Morden um, commit that has um, caused the mayor to be so angry as to dispatch a posse 
to hunt him down. He actually uh, he actually defiled the well. So the thing that we know is it's not safe outside of the towns, right? Outside of the town walls, because we're we're playing in the second age of this world, where basically monsters roam um, and travel is extremely dangerous, and the one water source inside the walls of this village, he dumped some sort of carcass in it, like the, uh, you know, the remains of a, a cow carcass that had been eaten or something like that, down the well. And basically, it's not safe to drink now. And the entire town is living in fear of what happens when they run out of water. And they're obviously very angry. So do we know why he did that? Like, did he do it like just like, did he do it over a dispute or something? Yeah, I think he's sort of a uh, vengeful narcissist. So he's been wandering through the countryside and any time he imagines that someone has slighted him. He's basically taking some sort of um, far more... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like he's overreacting to... Way overreacting. So like someone in the street gave him a funny look or he thought that they pushed him or something as they walked by because they accidentally brushed him. And he, you know, went into a rage and then in the dark of night, like dumped this carcass into the well. Love it. Okay. So, so he's, I mean, there's just really nothing redeemable about this. uh... Really? No. Okay. (laughs) So yeah. So when you arrive in beggars hole, like the town, like the town has put together a posse. And they're, you know, like they're going to go, they're going to go out and find him and bring him to justice. Like they want to bring him back here. They're looking to dispense some really harsh justice to him. Um, Well, that's, that's fine. As long as it's within the letter of the law. Right. Um, Yeah. And their laws are pretty, uh, Mm -hmm. their laws are pretty harsh. Um, I mean, the contamination of the well is a pretty severe pretty severe crime so they ask you if you if you want to travel with the posse like in pursuit of him well i am going in pursuit of him no matter what but i am happy to have your company along the road okay so you and the posse you leave the town and you go into the whispering hills and you ascend like the the foothills get higher and higher until you get above the frost line so like it's it's now snowy and uh, mm-hmm. Such, but um, you can, you know, you're able to track Morden up these hills, and um, he has taken a refuge in an abandoned temple to Erlis, the Queen of Hoarfrost and Woe. This temple was clearly built in the last age, and it has um, it has been long abandoned. It is covered in snow, and but it's the only shelter. So he, you know, he's made his way into, uh, into this temple. Um, and there you and the rest of the posse confront him in the main chamber. So like the main chamber of worship. And um, it's a ruin filled with fallen columns and rocks from the collapsed ceiling. But in doing so, in confronting him, um, the conflict caused uh, the ice angel to awaken uh, and the ice angel attacked everyone. And it's, it's this large, like it's this like seven foot tall female angel made of ice wielding this spiked mace. It just like lays into everybody. And Morden escapes by running further into the temple. 
uh, as the posse kind of like tries to defend themselves from the ice angel. And uh, you all, like those of you who live through the experience, get scattered throughout the temple. Um, but like a number of people did not uh, survive the encounter with the ice angel. So I have two more questions for you. As uh, as you can tell, we're doing a question opening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have two more questions for you. Uh, who or what woke the ice angel? Um, Morden did. Because he was backing away from us, and he actually just kept backing away until he basically bumped right into it, and then its icy hands came down to grab him, and he rolled out of the way, and at that point, the ice angels started reaching for anyone that it could reach, basically. Awesome. And uh, what terrible act of violence did you witness the ice angel perform? Um, one of the men from the village was, uh, so the, the, he was struck by the, the spike, right? Which basically split him in half and then also immediately like froze him from that center point out. Okay. So the ice, the ice mace, uh, freezes as well as impales. Yeah. All right. So his... His corpse is still, like, standing frozen, like, with his feet frozen to the ground, but he's dead. Okay, so in the chaos of the Ice Angel attacking, and, like, these farmers are all, like, you know, trying to, you know, stick it with, like, like crude spears and rusted swords, and it just, you know... This was not a job for these unprofessionals. (laughs) Right. Um, You run down a side passage... Um, to kind of escape the Ice Angel's wrath. And uh, you trip, because the ground is uh, both full of rubble, snow, and ice. And you trip, and you slide, and you fall into a hole in the temple floor. uh, And you land inside a small chamber. Hmm. Um, And and you kind of black out for a second, like, after you fall into this, like, into this hole. And, like, so when you come to, you are, like, in this, you are in this little room, and the the hole up top is like probably like twenty feet up, like a bit further than like further than you can reach up, uh, and the room's like ten feet by ten feet, and it contains uh, the walls. All four walls contain carvings that display Erlis, the queen of hoarfrost and woe, in her infinite beauty, as well as displays some of her acts of insufferable cruelty. She's known for, you know, woe. And so there are, you know, different carvings of people being impaled and crushed under ice and things like that. And, you know, all the while, like, she kind of stands over watching, watching these acts go on. And as you kind of, like, pick yourself up, the chamber is, like, very cold. Like, it's radiating a cold. But you jump for a second because slumped against the wall is the frozen body of a, of a woman. She's lightly armored, and she is clutching this rapier to her chest. And the rapier is very fine. Its basket is made of feathers. And there seems to be a orb, a dark orb, uh, resting uh, in that like nest of feathers, but uh, she is clearly she has passed on. But this place is so cold that she's still like she is. N- she's not a skeleton. 
Right. Okay. So what do you do? Hmm. So I, uh, I, I, there, there's a, uh, parts of my garments that I've like, instead of having them like flowing off of me as we came up the mountainside and it got colder and colder, they're instead like wrapped around my head and face and like, you know, bundled onto me basically instead of being loose and, um, flowing like they were before. And I'm gonna just, um, Pull, pull the basically the the scarf muff down a little bit so that I can see a little bit better, mm-hmm. um, and approach her because I know that I am looking for a raven's feather wrought of iron, and this is not what I was expecting to find. Correct. But it is a very similar thing, um, and in fact looks very much like the kind of thing that Morales would make. Um, and so I am going to I'm going to wrap my hand in some of my extra fabric because I do not know how cold this will be. Okay. And I'm going to reach for the rapier and and as I take a hold of it I'm going to say your pardon sister and see if I can pull it. Yeah, it um it it takes a it takes a little effort to come loose but once you have like once you carefully remove it from her hands you you free the weapon and once it is in your warm hand mm-hmm. the orb like brightens to become an eye like a raven's eye so it's that you know it's the it's black on the far edge and then it's like moving inward it's like more like brown like streaked with black and then that piercing black pupil but in holding it there's a rush of sensation that goes through you as gm i'll just say very quickly you have triggered the move first impressions so when mm-hmm. you pick up this weapon for the first time it makes contact with you and reveals itself as more than a simple weapon yeah and so in those moments of holding it you are flooded with some amount of knowledge some amount of strong emotions and you come to learn a few things about the weapon first you learn that the weapon has cravings, right? It respects something and it craves something. So what, what are those things? So I, um, I'm basically holding this rapier. It's the hilt is in one palm and the blade is resting gently across the other. As I'm getting these strong flashes of, of visions that are essentially blocking out the very cold room around me for moments as they um, kind of cross my vision. And I'm seeing things like there's a, a vision of like tears dripping down the blade, um, a woman holding it to her face as she cries on it, of the blade being held near the face of, of someone who is smiling in almost a rictus way and then wiping that tear and then placing it on the blade. And I feel that there's this urge, this need from the blade to experience that liquid. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there is a moment where I get a vision of the sword lying basically in a, in a, it's a dry, dusty road and it is, there's just, um, dried fields to either side of it with long waving dried grasses and 
the sword is or the rapier is just lying in the middle of that road and first one raven flies down to it and then another raven flies down to it and then soon it's just surrounded by all of these ravens just kind of standing around it as if it's a central point to which they are gathering and as they kind of like cock their heads and look at it um yeah what was the other thing you wanted me to tell you about <laughs> oh uh, what it respects what it respects or its legacy i'm gonna ask you for all of it before we're done okay. but um so um there's a there is a vision of actually myself as i'm coming up this mountain and pausing to um, to put the scarf on more tightly and to wrap my hands more tightly against the cold and then continue on. And a vision of a, um, a dark-skinned woman walking against a, uh, a very hard wind as it, it pushes at her, her, um, her, her, uh, her hairs in, um, in tiny kinks and it's pushing her hair back as she leans forward to to walk against it and the sword is held against her chest and uh, she has robes flaring out behind her that are black and they are um the the sleeves where they hang down are cut in in such a way that as the wind blows through them they flare like feathers awesome (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna share the last part the legacy shows you Visions of three women, of which we will uh, learn more about them in in subsequent episodes. But the last of the women, tell me her name. Panastra. Okay. The last vision you see is of Panastra being thrown into this hole. Mm -hmm. And the walls growing ice. uh, And eventually growing spikes of ice that impale her. And then just walls of ice that crush her. Uh, and leave her in this chamber dead. Before we drop out of this vision, the weapon makes a connection with you. It recognizes it it recognizes that you are of somebody of importance to it. And you trigger the weapon bond move. So when you hold this weapon for the first time or after you have increased in level, Um, You can open yourself up to be judged by the weapon in hope of proving your worth. So how do you prove your worth to it? Like, as you're having this kind of psychic connection to it. I think there's almost this, it's almost vibrating in my hands, right? I mean, it, it it is taking some effort on my part to hold on to this weapon and to, to keep, to keep it in my hands and to basically to maintain myself and my composure in the face of this onslaught of these very vivid images as they're kind of coming at me. Um, So I'm almost, even though I'm just standing there holding a rapier in my hands, there's almost like, there's almost a similar atmosphere feeling to the actual experience as the woman who was pushing against the wind. Right. Mm -hmm. So I am, basically proving my resilience to it as it batters me with these mental images that I am standing fast and still holding it and haven't like dropped it or flung it from me in the face of all awesome. of these, this sort of overwhelming like stuff. <laughs> okay. So you're going to roll plus respect. Okay. So I believe that's your, your con, correct? Yes. 
Okay, so roll uh, that plus is what cons. it respects. Yes, good. Okay, so I'm going to be rolling plus two. And is that a one or a six on this? That's a six. Yay. So I got a nine, ten, eleven. On a ten plus, the weapon gifts you with one of the legacy moves. Select a move from the legacy list and copy it to your playbook as if it was your own move. Oh, wow. Uh, you may use this legacy move without the weapon. Uh, you oh. can use any of the other moves from the legacy list by gifting the weapon what it craves. Okay. So one of these, wow. yes. So one of, yes. So at that moment, um, the weapon deems you worthy um, of all that it has. And it bestows upon you the knowledge and gift from one of its past wielders. So of the abilities that we picked last time, select one of those. Uh, and that is now your move. Yeah. I think that I'm going to take cast a spell. Okay. Yeah. So you have you now have the ability to cast a couple spells, right? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, like unlocked within you. And and the first time you cast a spell, we'll go back and kind of talk a little bit about the past wielders and stuff. But yeah, you suddenly have some divine insights and words of prayers and stuff are coming to you as you're uh, standing there. You come to having now a deeper understanding about this weapon. And clearly knowing that by no means was this an accidental encounter. Yeah. Uh, your God has clearly steered you to this weapon. For what reasons she has, you do not know. But your, your encounter with this weapon was by no means an accident. Yes. And with that, the walls of this chamber actually start to grow like you can visibly see spikes pointing at you, spikes of ice starting to grow outward from the walls, from all four walls starting to creep towards you. And you can hear it like it's like this crunching sound as the ice is forming. Uh-huh. Uh, that's concerning because that is how I am pretty sure that this, you know, sister of mine passed on with the help yes. of some of this ice. Yeah, in fact, the first couple spikes by her kind of push her over oh, onto okay. the ground. Yeah. <laughs> How long are they right now? Uh, they're uh, probably about six inches. Okay, so what I want to do is um, I'm going to... So I, I'm actually going to um, quickly pull the sword from my sheath and just lay it next to her basically like your a old sword my old sword okay yeah be at peace i'm going to sheathe the, the rapier and then what i want to do is i'm gonna like carefully place my foot on one of the spikes that's coming out of the wall and i want to see if i can basically climb my way up the spikes using them as my ladder to get out Okay, so... Um, I mean, I'm going to have to contort around them, obviously. Yeah, so uh, I definitely uh, think that's a defy danger. Okay. Um, so uh, when you act in, in despite an imminent threat. Yeah, that's an imminent threat. And uh, <laughs> this one depends on which stat you want to use. So are you powering through this with strength? Are you being nimble with dexterity? I think this is a strength thing for me because this is this is completely about whether I can maintain enough of a grip mm -hmm. on these spikes 
and to like literally it. just lever myself up and out. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, defy danger um, with strength. That wasn't great. Um, well, plus plus one. Okay, so it's a seven. Okay, so on a seven and nine, you stumble, hesitate, or flinch. The GM will offer you a worse outcome, a hard bargain, uh, or an ugly choice. Um, So, um, do you have, what gear do you have besides the sword? I have, well, I don't have my longsword anymore. Um, I have a shield um, and I have adventuring gear. And I have and steel how many, armor. And, and how many uses rest. do you have on that adventuring gear? Five. All right. So the uh, hard bargain is you can you can make it out of the hole. You can make it out of the hole, but one of these spikes is going to cut into your pack, and you're going to lose three of your pieces of adventuring gear. Yep. That's okay. Yep. Okay. So mark three adventuring gear. Like a couple things tumble back into the hole. Yep. Clank, um, as clank, you, clank. <laughs> right. Maybe they'll be useful. Maybe those will have been useful. Maybe not. We won't know. But yeah, they fall down into the um, into the oubliette as the oubliette fills with ice spikes once more. And that is where we'll stop until our next episode. Yay. All right, so uh, real quick before we wrap the show. So we did the question opening, right? We used some questions to kind of build up what was going on. Um, We used some questions to kind of fill in some backstory to Morden, right? So this way, Morden... Why I I care about him so much. Yeah, exactly. Like why you care about Morden, um, why the townspeople would have chased him up into this, you know, godforsaken literally godforsaken temple mm-hmm. and then we used a couple questions to we used a couple questions to set some things about the ice angel uh, that yeah. is stuff that we can like i will then use when we come back later as foreshadowing because one does not put an ice angel in an adventure and not encounter it at some point so that is information that will come back uh, later for us so that is a question opening and that is our uh, first AP. What'd you think? Uh, yeah. Yay. Yeah. I liked it. Okay. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. And nice job on your role. Like now you, like now you can cast spells. Oh man. That was really good. That was a good yeah. time to roll really well. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. All right. So good. So send a, tell us about another show on the Mistracted Mark Network. Sure. So on the Gnome cast, several gnomes from Gnome Stew get together to talk about a gaming topic and themselves a bit in an effort to avoid being thrown in the stew and entertain you. Mostly the stew part, though. I don't know. I've been in the stew pot a couple of times. No good. I I made the stew pot. (laughs) I know you still end up in the stew pot, though, right? That's how it works. I know. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> say send where can people reach us on the internet well you can find us on twitter at pandas talk games you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games you can find us in the misdirected mark google plus community for however much longer it's there um and you can send us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com. and phil once they find us in one of those places what can they do with that information do we need to please, update this ending? 
please, please, please send us your show topics. No, no, no. Please keep sending us your show topics because when possible, I'll just work them into uh, parts of the AP. Oh, yeah, so yeah. send us... So send us your show topics. We love to do shows about the um, things that you find interesting. We'll find a way to work them in the show, whether it's during one of our APs or when it's when we take a break from an AP and do a grab bag or a full show. Don't worry. Send topics. We'll use them. We love them. And besides topics, what are the other things that people can send us that we love oh so very much? Well, you can send us your table selfie. So the next time you are sitting down to play an awesome game like this, take a table selfie, hashtag it table selfie, and post it on the social media of your choice. Twitter just happens to be the easiest for me to find them on. And we will swing by and like it. We will indeed. And talking about liking things, if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get all sorts of goodies. The bonus outtakes from this show, the after show from Misdirected Mark, various publications from Encoded Designs, uh, access to our Slack Room for Life, and... And we like to uh, call out to our patrons and thank them personally. I'm just going to run through these ones tonight since we're um, since we're trying to move quickly long. here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a quick shout out to Christopher Gray, the spy master of MMP, Thanks, uh, who I also got to hang out with and play Turning Point with. Yeah, that's so pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Uh, Miko Froilich, thank you so very much for your support. And Dan Simons, thank Thanks. you so very much. Say, Senda, what's the other thing people can do that make us happy like pandas that causes us to put down our bamboo and roll off of our chair down the hill in a frolicking, joyful way that people find so oh so adorable? I swear that just gets longer every time. Thank you. Uh, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. If you leave it somewhere else, please just let us know because we'd love to see it. They really do make us super duper giddy. And at the same time, they help new people find the show. So if you like what you hear, um, we would love a good review just to help everybody else know that we exist. Awesome. Say, Senda. What are you going to do about that room at the end of the hall with the lights coming from it? This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. And we're back. And we are back. Hello, hello. We should have a hello <gasps> song. Like, hello, sender. Hello, sender. The show is here. The show is here. I don't know. Phil, what are you doing? It was a really weird dance. <laughs> Let's start the show. Let's start the show. Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> I don't know. Pandas don't have a sound, right? Like, there's no associated sound with pandas. Not really. Like, nom, nom, nom. Like, they just, you know. And crash. Yeah. Nom and crash. <laughs> Funk. Bloop. They don't even really thunk. They just kind of blob. Yeah. They just kind of. They're just awesome. They're just basically. They're just basically cool. We should talk about a couple nonlinear podcast things. Um, Oh, yeah. So we are nine days out from Metatopia. Oh, my gosh. We're nine days out from Metatopia. We are. This is the last recording we're doing 
um, for like two weeks. Uh huh. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Because <laughs> um, we're going to be at Metatopia, so I have to turn this one and the next one around next week. Uh, this, <laughs> this week. week, yes, this week. But then, having uh-huh. done that, we have two weeks worth of um, shows dropping. So next yeah. week, you'll like Nick. Next week, it, you'll be hearing regular show. Oh, that's what we oh, need to tell bag. people. Here we go. What? What? Tonight, they're going to hear the beginning of our actual play. Yes. But the next episode they hear after that is a grab bag. Yep. Because that's us at Metatopia, which we recorded before we did um, this show. Yeah. This show. We couldn't. We couldn't record the after the opening out of order from the opening. Yeah, we couldn't do. We we couldn't do that magic <laughs> for the AP. So tonight, you are getting the first part of the AP, and then we are very sorry. There's a grab bag, although there, it's got some. Awesome, awesome content, including some Ditch yeah. Lily trivia. But you actually also, all... Oh, you won't know that. I, I know that because we recorded it. Our listeners won't know it because it's going to come out the next week. Yes. What don't they know? Because That they, it has awesome content? They don't know it has awesome Ditch Lily trivia because they no, haven't... They no, because they'll hear it next week. Yeah, but damn, now they do. Damn nonlinear podcasting. Damn nonlinear podcasting. Okay, well, so and then, also thank you, P.K. Sullivan. Right. Bloop. So the fifth, you're going to hear this episode. The, uh, the, no, no, no. Uh, no, 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 no. The 29th, you're going to hear this episode. Yes. The 5th, you're going to hear the grab bag. And yes. on the 12th, we'll be back with the AP. Yes. Okay. That's, we're just, and we'll, and we'll just basically probably just do the AP um, the week we get back from Metatopia. Like, we just, we won't even wrap a topic around it. We'll just jump in and yeah. do, like, a, like some AP, and then you'll just um, clean it up yeah. minimally. We'll just be like, we we can't even process. We're going to be in such yeah. terrible con drop. We're like, I don't know, just play a game. Uh, at least it'll be good. We'll play a game. Like, that's, I'm sure yeah, that helps games. with con drop. It is super good. I have it's played, much better. I have played all the games. <clears throat> I know, I played uh, Long Live the Queen. Mm-hmm. Then I did uh, Hydro Hackers for Gauntlet Con. Turning yep. point for Gauntlicon, Hydra Hackers for Gauntlicon. Then that yep. night, I went and ran Action Movie World and ran the Ninja Movie for uh, Glenn and Sean because we had a blown session. Because mm-hmm. I thought I was going to go to play Monster of the Week and get a, like a little time to relax, but yeah. nay, I had to go run. Um, you ran. I ran yeah, Action ran Movie action World. Movie World. Well, you played a game in there somewhere because you ran Rob. Or you I did. Played I played Rob's on game. Saturday. I played in Rob's game. I just ran Turning Point, but Turning Point went super duper well for both of us. Turning Point was super good, and it worked. It was and super it, good, and it worked it totally great online. Yeah, yay! Yeah, I'm really, really excited. It plays online. It um, everybody who played it had a super positive yep. experience from it, and everybody that, who did your game and my game. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's so super good. It feels so good to know. This feels like really good. <laughs> Not feels good as in like haha like like ha-ha. we did it but like like the but thing like, about it and people really people will know later um, it creates really memorable experiences when you play it yeah it really and, does and 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 they're unique memorable experiences like they can't like we've played test I mean for testing purposes we've played these same four scenarios over and over and over oh yeah every one of them is a unique experience. Yeah, it doesn't bother me a bit to play them again. Yeah. Like, people are like, oh, well, which one have you played the least? I'm like, it really doesn't matter. No, no, it, like, it totally is fine. Bloop. Anyway. Anyway, we should probably go, like, you ready to do a show? Yeah, like, yeah we we're should gonna, totally do a gonna... show. I feel like we didn't do anything funny. I know, we weren't funny. We had, like, Juggle. informational stuff Juggle we had again. to... 
juggle. Oh, it just occurred to me I said juggle again, but everybody's going to hear that later. Oh, non-linear podcast joke. I think I think that's in the grab bag it's episode. Linear non- for you and I. Oh man. Non-linear. So well, God, when so everybody much. hears Whatever. later the <laughs> 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 Then they'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know, anyway, so should we start this show? Oof, maybe we should. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, because it's a it's a it's a because it's a raven. <laughs> This time was exactly the same as your reaction last time. <laughs> Except he caught on faster. I'm getting better. You're getting you know better. It's Did late, you hear right? our music? You know it's late we have, when we record this, right? <laughs> we have theme music now for the for I'm, the I'm excited because I don't know which one you picked at the end. Oh, no, I think I sent it to you. Did you? You sent me like 10 of them. You were like, oh, my yeah, God, these are I, so good. I, I sent you the edited one because I edited one to be a more appropriate length. And then I put actual Raven sounds over oh, it. Like, I'm sure you did. But I think I was running like Raven I think noises. I was running like 100 games. You you were in the middle of running Long Live the Queen at the time. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I probably. And then like the way we chat, like I'm sure that that message like. It like, just phew, disappeared. Yeah. God. Okay, let's do this. Get, get the show started for God's you, sakes! No, it's you. You start the show. It says, "Okay, hey, but you gotta, Sundays. you gotta stop laughing. It's not gonna work." <laughs> I've said meow a lot. Well, and that led to the whole kitty thing, and then like, well, there was a breakdown. <laughs> okay, would you rather have this instead? <laughs> <laughs> that's a raven because that's what the AP is about. <laughs> You got it first try this time. Ready? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Can't even meow. I'm laughing. Stop. <laughs> I know, but your giggle meow is making me laugh even more. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Professional. Pro. Pro. Professional. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Bloop. Meow. Meow. Bloop. That might have been in the other episode. Are you talking about Ralph's? Yeah, you explained it. Now I don't remember which episode. Ralph's editing too many episodes. Okay, so it wasn't quite that. It wasn't quite that. Right. Okay, so anyway, show. Show me what you got. 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 Hey, I think that came out pretty good. Yeah. Hey, I get to do, to clarify for tone purposes, because you banned the Raven sound from the game. I can do it in the outtakes, right? <laughs> you can do a pre-show and you can do it in the outtakes. Just okay. don't do it in the show. Okay. Like, I'm clarifying for tone. No, no. It, it just messes me up like because it's half <laughs> funny and it's like half not and I can't figure out what to do with it. All right. All right, look, we're at 55 minutes. We should say goodbye to everybody. And then this way, this is editable material. Yeah, ah, because this is a week that I have to edit too. And so, of course, we recorded a really long one. Right now, we got to say goodbye. Ready? Say goodbye. Bye. Bye.